Good evening and welcome to tonight's Ash Wednesday service on this 17th of February, the beginning of Lent and our 40-day journey to Holy Week and the celebration of Easter as the people of God. Thank you uh, for tuning in uh, this evening and participating in our worship. Uh, this is a pre-service announcement. I'll be back in a few minutes to give you uh, some more announcements concerning our Lenten journey together. Uh, but what I wanted to do was encourage you, if you are participating in the application of the ashes this evening, uh, and you receive that in your kit, that you go ahead as the prelude is praying, uh, playing, excuse me, and apply those ashes to your forehead, uh, using maybe some help within the household or uh, standing in front of a mirror uh, with the music in the background um, as you do so. Uh, and that will help us prepare uh, together uh, for uh, tonight's worship. All right, so uh, I'll turn over uh, now to uh, Bill and uh, the music to begin our service and encourage you uh, to apply those ashes as we prepare our hearts and minds to come before the Lord and receive the rich blessings of life and faith uh, for us. Thank you. Again, good evening, and thank you for joining us for our Ash Wednesday service. Thank you for being a part of our journey of faith together during this season of Lent. Just a couple of announcements. 
for ourselves as we prepare to enter in uh, to this penitential season. And that is uh, an encouragement uh, to you uh, to continue to use uh, this uh, booklet, Return to the Lord, as a guide uh, for your personal devotions and prayers uh, during the Lenten season. Um, I'll actually be referencing it uh, this evening uh, in my message, and uh, we'll be referencing it from time to time uh, in subsequent Sundays to come uh, as we uh, prepare for Holy Week and again the celebration of Easter. Also, don't forget that we will have our 40 days of prayer uh, via email distribution. Uh, if you have not signed up for that already, um, uh, we want to encourage you to do so. Be a part of that. There are uh, links available to do that uh, through our announcements and those resources that we send out on Thursdays and Saturdays. So look for that. Also, don't forget about our Monday evening prayer time. Uh, Angie Nitz leads that at 7 o'clock via Zoom. You're certainly welcome uh, to be a part of that. Uh, during this Lenten journey. And I certainly encourage you to continue to check Facebook if you're connected uh, to uh, that platform uh, as we uh, post additional offerings uh, and uh, encouragement uh, during the week from time to time uh, as the Spirit leads, uh, to, uh, leads us uh, for our life of faith together. All right, All right we're going to continue then our Ash uh, Wednesday service, and uh, we're going to begin uh, with this opening hymn. Um, which is uh, hymn 420 from the Lutheran Service Book. It's titled Christ, the Life of All the Living. I invite you to join me uh, in the singing of this.
We continue now with our invitation to Lent through the imposition of the ashes. I invite you uh, to join me in this responsive reading. For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears because of your great wrath. For you have taken me up and thrown me aside. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. But you, O Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favor to her. The appointed Gracious Lord, ashes remind us of our human frailty and mortality. You are eternal, but we are limited in our days. Someday we will return to dust and ashes. You remind us of this in your word. Ashes speak of condemnation for sin. When Adam fell into sin, judgment and death came to all. Since we all are born into sin, we are marked for death and ashes. Ashes speak of our total dependence upon you, O God. We are but frail human beings who must rely upon you, dear Father. We think we are capable of taking care of ourselves and make our own plans for greatness. However, so often these plans fail and crumble into ashes. Ashes speak of our humiliation and repentance. As people in the Bible humbled themselves and expressed their repentance in mourning in the signs of sackcloth and ashes, we also humble ourselves before you, O God, as we ask you to forgive our sins through Jesus Christ, our Lord. As we repent, we put on dust and ashes. People of God, as we see the meaning of ashes and dust for us as Christians, we now make our earnest confession to our Lord. Almighty God, you have always warned your people against trusting in false gods. We are sinful, and this nature has given birth to sinful deeds, things we have done and things we have left undone. We are but dust and ash of the ground, and we deserve nothing more than to return to the dust. Though we deserve your stern judgment, but for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive and renew us. Amen. Brothers and sisters, have you, as you have applied the ashes to your forehead, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The ashes upon our foreheads declare what is true. Without the forgiveness of our God, we are hopeless. The shape of the ashes upon our foreheads also declare what is true. God has sent his son to die in our place. Because of his death and resurrection, we have the forgiveness of sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, because you hate nothing, you have made and forgive the sins of all who repent. Create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us that worthily repenting of our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, we obtain from you, the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Well, we continue our service now with our first reading from the prophet Joel. And the prophet Joel happens to be uh, the text uh, which actually guides uh, the 40-day journey uh, through uh, this uh
return to the Lord. Verses 12 through 19 from the prophet. Yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied and will no more make you a reproach among the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue with uh, Psalm 51 as a responsive psalm. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and the inward being, and you teach my wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, our last lesson for this evening's worship is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. These are the words of Jesus. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. 
But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord.
Thank you to our uh, worship team this evening and uh, for those uh, helping out on uh, this auspicious uh, start of Lent for us as a congregation. And prayerfully, we pray um, that uh, we're able as a church to celebrate uh, Holy Week and Easter uh, in our new sanctuary. But today is Ash Wednesday, and that means let us turn to the Lord then uh, with a brief prayer as we begin this evening's message. Heavenly Father, thank you again, um, in a sense, for the reminder of our need for a Savior. From dust we have come until dust we shall return. Uh, a reminder of our human frailty. Uh, a reminder of the, the lack of control uh, that we truly have over circumstances um, and our dependence upon you and your love and grace and mercy and power. It's a, um, it's a humbling, humbling experience and a place to be, but yet it's a comforting place to be, knowing that your love and care um, is not just something out there we experience after we die, but it's even something that we experience today uh, in our life of faith. Uh, so regardless of circumstances, uh, whether we're discouraged about life or we feel like life is going really well, um, we celebrate that we're in your hands. We would not want to be anywhere else but with Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. All right. As I said, today is Ash Wednesday, and I am grateful uh, for you joining me and us here uh, tonight for our evening service. The beginning, if you will of our 40-day approach to Holy Week and finally Easter, right? Uh, what begins with that call of repentance, as we've sort of felt that through the beginning of this evening service, what begins with that call to repentance ends up in the grandest of celebrations uh, as we give thanks for the resurrection of Christ and the gift of life that he brings to us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 reminds us of this as the Apostle Paul writes, beginning at verse 20, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Alive today and for an eternity with him. I'm getting ahead of myself, aren't I, right? Uh, as momentous as Easter is, let's get back to the beginning, if you will, and set the context, the scene for the journey up to Jerusalem, uh, where this grand finale actually happens uh, for Jesus um, and those who are following him. So over the last several weeks, I have been reminding you of the opportunity uh, to pick up Lenten materials, and in particular, this devotional a book titled Return to the Lord. And we're going to be reading this, as I mentioned earlier, over the next 40 days together. And it's also going to, in a way, help guide our Sunday messages. I know Sundays in Lent are supposed to be Lent-free. Uh, that's a little pastor joke. Uh, but uh, they're not actually Sundays of Lent. Uh, every Sunday is a little Easter in the life of the church. But because we don't have uh, Wednesday evening or Wednesday afternoon services as a congregation, during the season. Um, I'll be referring uh, to this booklet on Sundays to help move our journey along. Uh, but today's reading, day one, right, uh, of Lent, which is found in the booklet, references uh, the Old Testament reading, which I read earlier this evening, and it's on page four, uh, if you do have 
that before you. But it uses these words of the prophet Joel from verse 12. Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Perhaps you heard within the context of those few words, the imperatives, the commands, right? Return to me. Rend your heart. Return to me, the command, that imperative. Uh, And as an example, this booklet that you have before you moves then from that scripture uh, to a short story to remind us of the force of command. It references a, a, a sailor in the Royal Navy. But if you've ever served in the armed forces, right, or ever heard your mother, (laughs) uh, you know what that command sounds like uh, and what it means, right? It's a superior officer or a parent uh, or perhaps a teacher or a manager um, giving instruction uh, with force. But that idea of a command, that's where we're going to park for a bit tonight uh, in our text. And we're actually going to be in Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. It's printed on your packet and uh, page 6. But let me read it to you. Um, it's actually referenced, again, uh, in this booklet on page 4 as a secondary scripture for you to use in your devotions. But let me read it for you, and then we'll use that um, to move us along for this evening. Here's the text from Luke 13. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. All right. So if you consider the Old Testament text from Joel and the New Testament gospel lesson from Luke 13, between these two texts, we have return to me, rend your heart, and repent or perish. Right? Return to me, rend your heart, and repent or perish. Strong commands with strong consequences. The call to repentance is the call to return to the Lord, rendering our hearts to him once again. The call and command is to choose life over death. But what's the context? Okay. What's the context then in Jesus's day? And what are we to learn as we apply this simple but profound command of the Lord to our lives as we follow Jesus? Well, think of it this way. A Jewish student once asked his teacher, Rabbi, why is it when I ask you a question, you always answer me with another question? To which the rabbi replied, So why shouldn't I? That's a joke, but there's a little bit of truth within it. Because in our story tonight, Jesus is continuing his journey towards Jerusalem. And he's encountering along the way four situations involving questions. This is all in Luke chapter 13. Four situations involving questions which need to be answered. And we're just going to look at one of those questions, the one I've put before you from the first part of Luke chapter 13. But... If you want, you can certainly read the rest of Luke 13 and see what those other Q&A sessions look like. 
Now, remember, though, that when people came to Jesus, not everyone who asks him a question did so from the right motive. Fair? Thankfully, that did not deter Jesus or stop him uh, from teaching them and what they needed to know. So consider the context for tonight's question uh, about Pilate, right? You heard that name mentioned, you heard the Galileans, and you had the Tower of Siloam from Luke 13. Let me start with a statement to help us better understand. Pilate did not get along with the Jews because he was insensitive to their religious convictions, okay? That's not what caused problems, right? Pilate had actually, at times, shown great sensitivity uh, towards the Jewish people, and the Roman rule amongst them. There were actually other reasons why Pilate and the Romans did not get along with the Jews. So according to Luke chapter 13, what we understand from history is what Pilate had done was to appropriate money from the temple treasury in order to continue to build a Roman aqueduct to the city of Jerusalem. So in effect, Pilate had actually stolen, right, uh, from uh, the temple treasury, the Jewish bank, if you will, in order to build a Roman project, right? And because of this, in protest, crowds had gathered in Jerusalem, and what Pilate had done is he had ordered plain clothes, Roman soldiers, into the crowd. And he had ordered those Roman soldiers into the crowd with concealed weapons. And the Roman soldiers killed a number of Jewish protesters that day in the city of Jerusalem, um, during, um, during that uh, protest. And so it's this atrocity mentioned in our text with the Galileans, all right, which only adds this fuel to fire of hatred between the Jews and the Romans. So go back to Jesus then, because think about it this way. He is now going up to Jerusalem on this journey, right? Anything that he was going to say about Pilate's going to get there before he did, right? The rumor weed grows really quickly, right? So if he ignores the issue, he could be a, a um, uh, so if he ignores the issue, he could be accused of being pro-Roman and disloyal to his own people, right? But if he defended the Jews against Pilate, all right, he would be in trouble with the Romans and the Jewish leaders uh, and be providing a good cause or excuse for them to arrest him, right? Which they've been looking for all along. So what does Jesus do, right? Well, he doesn't make it political, first of all, like they all want it to become. Instead of discussing Pilate's sins, right, he instead deals with the sins of those questioning him. He answered their question by asking a question. So perhaps when you heard me read Luke 13, you noticed he sort of turned it right back on them. So to begin with, right, let me give you a couple points in terms of understanding this. To begin with, he makes it clear that human tragedies are not always divine punishments and that it's wrong for us to play God uh, and pass judgment on something that happens as if, oh, that must have been God punishing so-and-so for what so-and-so did, right? I mean, this is akin to, to Job and Job's friends sitting around him in Job's great suffering and accusing Job of having sinned and, and that's why he suffered so much, right? I mean, if we take that approach to tragedy, we have a hard time explaining the suffering of the faithful, don't we? I mean, because uh, the prophets or the disciples, the apostles, even Jesus himself suffered. But it doesn't mean uh, that uh, what they had done deserved that suffering. So in, in essence, Jesus asks, how would you explain the deaths of those on whom the tower fell? Right? It's not the fault of Pilate. So was it God's fault? Shall we blame him? 
Jesus says, no. Those who died were not protesting or causing trouble, and they weren't being singled out for their sinfulness. But Jesus being Jesus goes on to show the logical conclusion of their argument. If God does punish sinners in this way, then they better repent, right? Because all men are sinners. So the question is not, why did these people die? But Jesus says to them, why do you even have the right to live, right? I mean, I can imagine the look on their faces as they realize what he was saying was being said to them, right? If God is holy and just and all people are sinful and unclean and in need of God's forgiveness and grace and mercy, no one has the right to live. You see, in our sin, it's easier to talk about other people's sin, right? And other people dying. It's hard to reflect on our own sin and impending death. It's one reason I think why our political discourse in our country is basically worthless. Always pointing out the, the sins of the other while never reflecting on our sin or how we might have contributed uh, to how we have gotten here as a nation. Now that's slightly off talk, topic, but think about it this way instead. Because if you were to continue to read Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 8, you would see the subsequent parable attached to this lesson. That's one disservice that is done uh, to us as readers uh, using resources that are provided for us without uh, the entirety of the context. Because just after this exchange, right, where Jesus turns it back on them, he then tells them this parable, which is important to understanding the, the entirety of this text. But beginning at verse 6 of chapter 13, he says, A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but, it did not, but he did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up soil? Verse 8, Sir, the man replied, Leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. All right, so how do we understand then how this applies to us? Well, according to Leviticus 19, see how deep we're kind of diving into this, right? Fruit from newly planted fruit trees, all right, uh, was not eaten, okay, for three years. And on the fourth year of its fruitfulness, it was given over to the Lord as a thank offering. So it wasn't until the fifth year that the farmer was allowed to harvest the fruit for himself and his family. <laughs> so at this point, our understanding then that the tree is seven years old and no fruit, right? And so no wonder uh, the farmer wants to cut it down. It's taking up good ground um, uh, with it. So what's Jesus's point? Jesus's point is this. God is long-suffering. God is gracious towards you and me. That's 2 Peter 3.9. And he does more than enough to encourage us to repent and call us to a life of fruitfulness for the sake of our neighbor and for the sake of bringing glory to him. That's Matthew chapter 3. And in essence, he has every right to cut us down, but in his mercy, he has spared us. Yet we aren't to presume upon that kindness and grace and cheapen it by refusing to return to him to repent. That's why this booklet is titled the way it is titled, right? Uh, within it, a command and an imperative and a reminder for us, even as the people of God, 
that repentance is a daily activity uh, that we participate in um, and receive from him. You know, if you look to the back of the booklet uh, that you have for your Lenten devotions, I wanted to read to you this uh, paragraph on the back, which I think is helpful in the sense of setting the stage for these next 40 days together. After quoting uh, Joel chapter 2, verse 13, Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Uh, the authors write this, Return from sin, return from lawlessness, return from rage, return from the enticements of today's culture. In the face of all that would seek to turn you away from God is an invitation to return. This tender invitation from the Lord is a promise fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Do we believe that, brothers and sisters? Amen. Yes, we do. This Lent, then, uh, they write here how the call to return to the Lord is played out in practical ways, right, for us as the people of God who walk alongside Jesus in this journey of faith. Hear how our Savior, the authors say, demonstrated and carry out God's grace and mercy on our behalf, taking God's wrath upon himself, setting the stage for God to, this is verse 14 of Joel chapter 2, turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. Because you see, brothers and sisters, the call to repentance is not just a, a call which ends with that. It's a call which ends with a promise. It ends with a promise of forgiveness and grace and mercy and God's blessing in our lives as his people. That's why we can't miss that last part. Uh, the first part of the text, uh, in a sense, disappears from our mind and, and we turn our attention to what is there for us. This idea that better to receive the blessing of the Lord through the person and work of Jesus rather than the curse of the fruit tree and be cut down. Let me give you a, a few additional and last verses for our evening's message. Something to help you consider. Psalm 32, 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my iniquity. Or Psalm 51.10 from earlier in our service. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Or how about the classic, right? John 3.16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. <laughs> Lastly, there's this. This section of Luke 13 and this parable is one what is called open-ended, all right? Sometimes Jesus actually explains the parable, uh, but in this case, he doesn't. And it's done that way for the listener, for the, the hearer back then, and, and even for you and me to supply our own answer, right? Did the tree bear fruit? Did the special care accomplish anything in the life of that fruit tree? Was the tree spared? Was it cut down, right? I mean, we, in a sense, have no way as to answer these questions as it concerns the tree. But we can answer for ourselves, we can answer for ourselves as far as our lives are concerned. It's not what happened to the tree, but what will happen to me? God is a fruit farmer, so to speak. He owns an orchard of grace. 
and calls us to repentance and in that life of repentance promises us that because of Jesus, our tree will bear fruit. In his name, all God's people say, amen. All right, we continue our service now uh, with our Lord's Prayer litany and then move immediately into uh, the consecration of the elements which you have before you. Um, our Ash Wednesday service traditionally removes, if you will, that cel celebratory uh, music of the preface uh, of communion. So uh, I encourage you at this point to, to make sure that you have your communion available uh, for you as we move into that section of scripture. Well, let's go ahead then with this litany and I invite you to respond as we do go through the Lord's Prayer together. We continue our prayers with a litany based on the prayer of Jesus has taught us. Our Father in heaven, you are holy. You are above us. To you we pray. Your name is holy. Keep it holy among us and throughout this world, this needy world. Come, O Father, with your holy kingdom to us and through us to many others. If it's your will, it has to be good. Let it be done here on earth, Lord, please. Our, our bread is plenty uh, for today, but we ask enough for all the needy in this world. Forgive us our sins and we forgive those who sin against us. We cannot live without your forgiveness, O Lord. And this world will destroy itself unless we forgive each other. Help us to keep the forgiveness flowing. You're strong and we are weak. When we walk with you, we are strong. But deliver us from evil. Evil is many-faced and many-sided. Only you are stronger. Be our strong rock. Let for the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. You can hear. You can answer. You can prevail. And you let us call you our Father. We thank and praise you. Amen. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, also after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to all to drink, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. As you are able, I encourage you, take now the body of Christ given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And now may this body and blood of our Lord and Savior strengthen and encourage you in one true faith and continually remind you of the call to repentance and the gift of grace and forgiveness in our life as God's people. Amen. Sinners were slain 
with me in a word of prayer. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. We close uh, with our hymn, Christ, the life of all the living.